Yeah, and and I was thinking before I hopped on here, I was like, you know you're a dad. Text your co-host and say, hey, I'm putting the baby to bed. Be there in a minute. But the baby is in bed and he is asleep. What a guy. And we can record. In the closet. In the closet. My my new studio. Get you some uh, sound dampening panels for that wall behind you, really uh, liven up the the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> or I need to cram a, a put a Steve Rogers on the. Yes, on you the wall. could also have a background Steve. <laughs> he's he's right here. Always there, very loyal. He good loves old, this show. Good old background Steve. He loves this show so much. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Nope. No, no, no. No superheroes here. Just Jay and John. Welcome to the nerdiest podcast you'll ever hear. They didn't ask us. Well, guys, welcome back to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I am Jay, and with me, of course, is my co-host, John. Hey, everybody. How are we uh, How are we doing? I'm back from vacation, so, you know, I am uh, here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you are alive. It's true. That's present. a fact. Well, that one's up for debate. Physically. Okay. We can, yeah. That, one, that one's pretty evident. Yes. And uh, how was your trip? It was great. Had some really good time. Um, spent some time with my sister. And um, spent, I spent some time with one of my best friends from college. And when so when I went to split out to hang out with Cole, Meg went to go to Montana to see one of her friends from growing up who lives out there. So we each separately went to spend time with with one of our best friends. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. And the way it worked, I mean, there were, there were speed bumps, don't get me wrong, but it worked out and I think we both had great trips. Good. I'm glad to hear that. It was relaxing and you came back refreshed and juvenated and ready to go. For the most part, I think I was very surprised to learn that Colorado apparently doesn't believe in central heat and air. Oh, how lovely. Which I mean... When your climate is stereotypically mild, it's probably not a big deal. But instead of like me going to Colorado for Colorado weather, Tennessee weather followed me. Oh no! And it so was, it was humid. It was. Uh, it's, it's not so much it was humid as much as it was. It was just hot. Oh uh, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing about out west, though, is that a lot of the weather out there it is hot, but it's dry. So there's not that humidity that comes with it's a dry heat though it's a dry heat (laughs) well you know here in tennessee like it could be 83 but feel like it's 100 degrees because also damp the humidity is so bad that you step outside and and you just you get to your car and your your armpits are sweaty yeah and you got pit stains and it's awful but like out west, it's hot, but there's no humidity. So at night, the temperature goes down a lot once the sun goes down because there's nothing holding the heat. Yeah. So that's nice. 
it's it was definitely a, a drop because we were at Cole and I were out at um we went to go to a, a soccer game at the Broncos Stadium there in Denver. Okay, yeah. And we had nosebleed seats um because obviously and so we have the sun beating down on us for the whole game and then once the sun dropped behind the other side of the stadium we're like oh this is pleasant and then the sun dropped behind the mountains and i was like oh this is not pleasant this is very cold (laughs) isn't that funny how that works yeah crazy how when the sun's not there the heat's gone yeah (laughs) science well, we have uh, an episode full of news, because that's what this episode is all about. Everything that happened at E3 2021, or at least the big announcements, there was a lot that happened that we're not going to cover, yeah. but there was a lot more that happened that is really cool, and that we may or may not be super excited about. And so we're going to explore some of that, which is funny, because the last episode we talked about things that we would like to see start to go away from video games trends that we would like to see go away and uh and now we're going to be talking about more video games so a lot of video games excited about though potentially potentially yes but we have a few episodes to cover of the bad batch So I suggest we should probably jump into that because we also have a new show to start reviewing, Loki, which is also being streamed on Disney Plus and is being released on Wednesdays so they don't conflict with the Bad Batch. How nice of them to do that. Well, and it's very convenient for us as well. Um, we've, uh, when, when did we, when did we do that? Yeah. A couple of months ago, we shifted to recording on Wednesdays somewhat regularly. That's right. Yep. So it helps that like, so today I left work, I checked in at great clips while I was in my car. Cause I needed to get a haircut. I got a haircut. I went home, I fed my dogs and I came upstairs. I watched Loki and now we're recording. Like Perfect. it's almost just make a night of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go to great clips every time, but like, you know. Yeah. When in Rome or Pompeii. Oh. (laughs) 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 All right. So the Bad Batch, we have a few episodes that we did not review last time because, um, well, mainly because I know this is something that John and I have been reviewing together. So I, I left it so that we could do that. So there are three episodes that we need to review today. Episode five, which, which is a rampage episode six, which is decommissioned and episode seven, which is battle scars. Now, John and I have agreed that this show as a whole very much just kind of runs into each other. Like the episodes aren't very distinct and that they stand alone. They just keep going into the next one. So starting with episode five, Rampage, um, hoping to discover who hired Finnick Shand uh, from episode four. Uh, the Bad Batch go to Ord Mantell, where Echo knows of a Jedi informant named Sid. She offers to find out about Shand in exchange for their help. Slavers have kidnapped a child named Moochie, 
and Sid will re- will receive a reward from Jabba the Hutt if the Bad Batch help her rescue the child. The Bad Batch find and fight off slavers, rescuing Moochie, who is a young Rancor. Taking her to Sid, Moochie is then given to Jabba's right-hand man, Bib Fortuna, in exchange for the reward. Sid gives some of the reward to Hunter, but is unable to learn who hired Shand. She offers to give the Bad Batch more mercenary work in the future. Hmm. Does anything about that, like the episode, jump out at you? Yeah, I mean, the whole episode, especially the ending, well, mainly the ending, was just a nod to Return of the Jedi. Because we have Bib Fortuna, who's the right-hand man of Jabba the Hutt, um, who is a lot younger in this episode, uh, mainly because this is before the events of even A uh, a New Hope. almost said A Last Hope. (laughs) (laughs) A New Hope. Um, And then also, we can assume that this Rancor is actually the Rancor that Luke kills. See, I would have I would have made the opposite assumption. I would assume that it's a separate one because if you think it's maybe what 20, 20 years between this and Return of the Jedi, give or take, yeah. I feel like Rancors would live very long even in captivity. So, I would make the argument it's a separate one. Okay. Which means, given the events at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, Boba Fett now has a Rancor. (laughs) Potentially. (laughs) Yeah, so will this Rancor show up in the book of Boba Fett? Oh, man. And he comes in riding on Moochie. Yes. (laughs) Yes, please. A trained... Rancor, because it wasn't, it didn't act like any Rancor we've ever seen before. Yeah. It was sweet. It was, well, not sweet, but it was definitely not trying to kill everybody. It was personable, I feel like, is how I would. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that of a trained lion, I feel. You still want to be really cautious with it, but it's also trained enough that it's not just going to rip off any face that it sees. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, that was really the only thing that stood out to me in this episode. Yeah. Um, I think going forward, one of the bigger developments is this is the episode where, uh, Omega gets her little, uh, little energy bow. Well, that's right. So she helps, rescue everyone else after the the rest of the batch is captured by the slavers mm-hmm. she kind of instigates the the rescue there and in the midst of that she acquires a weapon which is definitely what you would want to give a child who has no experience with anything uh, you want to give them a weapon i know one thing that i feel like she needs even more than a weapon at this point is her own set of armor Because if you're going to have a child with a bunch of, you know, warriors, you would think that you would give her, like, at least a shield, you know, Mm -hmm. to protect her from uh, potential gunfire. I I thought you were going to say, you know what she needs more than a weapon? 
she needs a friend. <laughs> no, she's got friends. She's got family now. <sighs> but I, I, I thought that's where that was going. That's why I, I laughed pretty hard. <laughs> a friend. F is for uh, friends who do stuff together. Like FaceTime. Yes. Which is similar to what we're doing right now. All right. On to the next one. <laughs> Decommissioned. <laughs> um, Sid hires the Bad Batch to retrieve a separatist tactical droid for its battle intel before it is destroyed at a Corellian decommissioning site. They encounter police droids guarding the facility, as well as Trace and Rafa Martez, hey. who are also after the droid. Wrecker accidentally hits his head and his in- his inhibitor chip begins to activate. Tech and the sisters pr- program the tactical droid to turn on the police droids, allowing them to escape, but the tactical droid is destroyed in the process. The sisters explain that they were retrieving it for a client who is fighting the Empire. Hunter gives them a copy of the droid's data that Tech made during the fight, and the sisters later tell their client how to find the Bad Batch. Mm. To be fair, the inhibitor chip was definitely becoming activated way before he actually hit his head. Because he kept complaining of his head hurting since episode mm-hmm. three, I believe. Yeah. Was when he first started. He kept saying, my head hurts. Ah, I'm a Hulk. And, um, but. Baker smash. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, definitely that was going on before then, but definitely hitting his head as hard as he did in this episode uh, without a doubt, triggered it because then he even started to say, kind of under his breath, he kept going, "Good soldiers, good soldiers." You're like, "Good soldiers brush their teeth. Good sh- soldiers make their bed. Follow orders." Yes, there we go. Well, I mean, probably the other ones too, but um, no, definitely. You know, for all the for all the. Good soldiers listening, make sure your oral hygiene and uh, bedroom maintenance are, are done well. Well, yes, definitely making your that's, bed. That's an order. I mean, they, so you they have to do it. You got to tuck those corners. No wrinkles in the sheets. I mean, it's intense. No, it's it's in a bedroom. Hey. Got him. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. So the the tie-in with the two girls from mm-hmm. the final season of Clone Wars was fun. I had I had really thought we had seen the last of them because their arc with Ahsoka to me was not great. And I feel like you you can go back and listen to the episodes where we talk about those episodes. It's kind of meta at this point. Um and it got to a point when it was like, this is fun, but it's gone on too long. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to see them tied into like a a minor character, like not even a recurring minor character, because I doubt they come back again. But I don't know. It's it's definitely a trend that you notice starting with um, episode four when they bring Finnick in. They're just tying in characters from various eras 
of Star Wars. So you have Finnick, you have Bib Fortuna, and in this one you have Trace and Rafa Martez. So they've had TV character, movie character, and then animated show character. At this point, I definitely feel that they are just working very hard to help you understand that this Star Wars universe is a connected universe. It's not just a bunch of crazy random stories. Like, there actually is a connection between all of it. That's what I feel like they're trying to do at this point. I think that's fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, this episode was decent and was definitely fun. Um, We get to see Omega finally master her bow usage very quickly. Uh, She went from struggling very hard to mastering it very quickly. I mean, all you need is a good montage, Jay. I guess so. You You can learn any skill in a montage. That's also, all the I movies think have all me. you need is a life or death situation to, you know, get your crap together and start shooting that bow. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're between a rock and a hard place, uh, you might have to cut your arm off like James Franco did in that one movie. Yeah, or use some dynamite. I mean, they would both get the job done. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love when I try to type that phrase out. Because everyone reads it, tomato, tomato, right? You can hear the phrase, yeah. but no one reads that word as tomato. So you read it as tomato, tomato, and you're like, wait, no. Yeah. You look at the lyrics of that song. You say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, that's not how the song goes. <laughs> and it ends with a mysterious figure in the background and uh, somebody who's beginning the, not the, well, is is kind of starting this rebellion. Mm-hmm. Just a very early, early figure in it. Because we've had, we've had Saw Gerrera early, early in the season who, who we originally were introduced to in Rogue One, or was he a Clone Wars character first? He was a Clone Wars character first. Okay. So we're introduced to him with the rebellion in Rogue One. We're given that context and he gets tied in here. So it definitely establishes more of a when this happens and who it happens with. Yeah. Um, And then linking going into episode seven, you learn who the mysterious figure is. And who is that mysterious figure, John? Well, I will read this episode summary and it'll tell you. Episode 7, Battle Scars. After their failure to return with the tactical droid's data, Sid tells the Bad Batch that they will need to do a big job to pay off their debt to her. They are interrupted by Trace and Rafa's mystery client, their old friend Captain Rex, who is alarmed to learn that the Bad Batch have yet to remove their inhibitor chips like he has. They go to Bracca a starship graveyard planet controlled by the Scrapper Guild, and sneak onto an old Jedi cruiser to use its medical bay. Wrecker's agitation activates his chip, and he attacks his teammates, but he is subdued, and the chip is removed. Rex takes his leave once all the chips are gone. As they say their goodbyes, Hunter is seen by members of the Scrapper Guild. Dun, dun, 
Dun. So it's Rex. We love Rex. He's back. He is the best clone character by far. Oh, yes. And one that we will definitely be seeing again. I mean, if not in um, Bad Batch, obviously we see him in, in Rebels. Spoiler alert, we see him in Rebels. He's much older. But yes, we do see him in Rebels. And yeah, it's... um. I don't know. It was just uh, it, it kind of just wrapped up the bat the the uh, the hit inhibitor chip. You know, mm-hmm. that's no longer a problem because uh, we had kind of everybody had kind of wondered. So is the chip not affecting them? But it's only affecting some of them. And then we recognize, nope, it's affecting all of them. They just need to. They had to have gotten hit in the head the perfect way in order for it to activate again. I guess. Or knowing Wrecker enough times. Yes. He does not exactly shy away from uh, things where he might hit his head. Yeah. As as Jay alluded to, he is the Hulk of the team. Yep. And he, um, so they, they get all those chips out. Rex even says, or I think it was Hunter. I think Hunter was the one that says, you know, Rex, you know how to get in touch with us. So if you ever need us in the future give us a call. So we'll definitely be seeing them again. I hope so. And, uh, so now, but now we know that the empire now knows where the bad batch is. And so now we have an idea of how they might get in touch with straight shot pinpoint aim. What's his name? Crosshairs. Uh, crosshair. Yeah. <laughs> Crosshairs. So he's going to be coming back. I did. I did have to look this up um, because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So they're on in in episode seven. They're on Braca, the sh- starship graveyard planet. Jay, do you know what starts on Braca? Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. And I don't know the time frame of when Fallen Order happens, but I feel like it's after this enough that Calcet like a Calcestis appearance off the table. You think I so? Don't feel like, I don't feel like it would happen. Hmm. Again, my time my time of reference is a little bit squirrely here, but I feel like they don't take place at the same time. No, I mean they take place on this planet, but Jedi Fallen Order definitely takes place later. Yeah. Because by that point, the Stormtroopers are actually in their Stormtrooper uniforms. And it's assumed that the clones are no longer being used. And then also, there is Inquisitors at that point as well. So, the uh, as far as we know, there are still no Inquisitors but that could also be introduced in this show as well. Because they already existed during Rebels, so they had to be established at some point between now and then. Right, so we might actually start seeing the establishment of the Inquisitors. That's what's cool about this show, is it kind of can... Like this show, which so far, it's kind of been a bridge. Mm-hmm. Connecting a lot of dots... And I wonder if that's just their plan through this whole thing is for this show to just be a a bridger, if you will, 
dead gummit. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, it's trying to get them to their promised land. Their Canaan. <laughs> that one was a little more forced. Yours was better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it does make you wonder for sure. Uh, what what else we might we might discover from this? Yeah, but or who, or who, or who else? Yeah. So, this has all been good. This has all been entertaining. Um, I don't really think we can. How, how is the? How do you feel like the show is holding up so far? I feel like that's the best way to rate this. So, it's struggling to hold my interest. Is it? Yeah, because it, it's it's not very compelling. Because in the on the on the one hand, the episodes it's cool that they involve all of these characters, and they involve them to a point where they feel relevant. They're not just like shoehorning in like yeah, these are characters that you'll recognize from other places. We're just gonna sprinkle them in for flavor. It's more of a like, you know, we need a mercenary. Here's a mercenary. Hmm. Or we need a rescue mission. We can rescue something for Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt's a big player in the galactic underworld. So it makes sense that he would be relevant. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the, the broad plot as a whole, I mean, we haven't even seen Crosshair in like four episodes. So he definitely feels out of sight, out of mind. And then so does, I mean... What's been happening since they've been on the run? It just it the the big picture is being lost to me. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of like, okay, what now? Like what next? Eventually, their luck has to run out, and something's gonna hit the fan. But until then, eh. yeah, yep, I agree. I agree. It has kind of lost. It's, uh, I was very excited about it at first and I'm not nearly as excited about it anymore. And, uh, in fact, we didn't watch the past two episodes until this past Friday because we had completely forgot that it was a show that was even coming out Yeah, because we had, it's not nearly as exciting anymore. It's just, it's not as compelling. And I don't know if that's because it's a half hour and there's twice as many of them mm-hmm. or or what, but I, I don't know. Well, let's move on to something a little more exciting, something that we've been looking forward to for a while, Loki, which is also now streaming on Disney+, Plus, a show that is going to help explain to us what the heck is going on with Loki after stealing the Tesseract in Avengers Endgame. So there have been two episodes that have been released so far. They are being released on Wednesday. So episode one, Glorious Purpose, and episode two, The Variant. And one thing that I will say about this show so far is that I love that it actually takes place exactly after Loki stole the Tesseract. It's genuinely like turning the page in a book. Yep. When it's like, oh, that was what happened. Here's what happens now. And that's how the show starts, too. It actually starts with that whole scene from 
in game. Yeah. I I definitely appreciated that as well because I don't know about you, um, but in game is a very heavy watch. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, you know what? It's a it's a Tuesday night. Let's just sit down, watch have a laugh. We'll watch Avengers Endgame. I was like, no, we can't. I'm not emotionally ready to watch this three hour sob fest. Yep. Like it's it's very heavy, so I don't tend to watch it. Uh I don't know that I've seen it since Oh, when it when I've seen it at least twice. But I don't know that I've seen it anytime recently. Well, let me read the summary for episode one, Glorious Purpose, and then we will discuss it briefly. So, Loki is arrested by the Time Variance Authority, the TVA, when he creates a new timeline after escaping from the Battle of New York with the Tesseract in 2012. The TVA resets the timeline, and this variant, Loki, stands trial in front of Judge Ravana Renslayer of the TVA's headquarters for crimes against the Sacred Timeline. Loki blames the Avengers for creating this situation by traveling back in time, but Renslayer says their actions were meant to happen, unlike Loki's escape. Agent Mobius M. Mobius, which I'm assuming M also stands for Mobius, intercedes and takes Loki to the Time Theater to review his past misdeeds and question his history of hurting people. He reveals that Loki, in his intended future, inadvertently causes the death of his adopted mother, Frigga. Loki attempts to escape, but gives up after realizing that the TVA's power exceeds that of the Infinity Stones. He returns to the Time Theater and watches more future events, including his own death at the hands of Thanos. After seeing this, he agrees to help Mobius hunt another Loki variant who has killed several TVA agents and stolen TVA technology. You you intrigued me. I wanted to find out if the M did indeed stand for Mobius. And Mobius, I, there, Mobius, Mobius. I, I can't. It does. I knew it! It does. <laughs> M- Mr. Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Who we find out in the second episode has an obsession with jet skis. And to to sprinkle in this ridiculous <laughs> character, Jay, um, who, who happens to play Agent Mobius? None other than Owen Wilson. Wow. 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 Talky, talky, talky. <laughs> oh, goodness. Love it. I, I loved the first episode of this. I did too. I think that the two of them are a fantastic duo to have on the screen together. And I honestly want to see more of the two of them together, like in other things. Not as not as them as actors, right? I want these characters Yes. In other things. Like existing in other things. Like I really hope I hope that neither one of them dies. And I hope that there's like this continuation with the two of them together. Because they honestly, I think they make a better buddy cop duo than even um Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
Okay. I thought you were about to compare them to like the peak buddy cops, right? And the peak buddy cop is Riggs Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. No, maybe not that good. Okay. I thought you were, whoo, them's, them's fighting words. <laughs> no, but th- wouldn't you agree that the two of them, like their back and forth banter that they have? It's very good. It's fantastic. It's, it's very clever. <laughs> it's So far, it does feel very well written. Mm-hmm. Um, Which um, Tom Hiddleston is a, a producer of the show. So he's got a big part in directing which d- direction they go. And in fact, I saw an interview with uh, Owen Wilson, and he talked about how Loki. I mean, um, Hiddleston has such a um, a knowledge of not just his own character, but the the event, like the Marvel universe in general. That, like, if something was written wrong, he would actually correct it on set and would say, no, this is actually how it happens. And this is why we have to uh, say it this way, because if we don't, then it's not going to stay accurate to what's actually happened. I don't see why that's relevant, though. It's not like Marvel is something that is a a cult in its appeal and there are people who fact check literally everything to the to the punctuation in a sentence i don't pe- people would never do that jay <laughs> that'd be that'd be crazy yeah no be like a... fa- crazy fandom or something oh man fans who has fans anymore <laughs> fans are so i have i have two fans in this room i think they're looking at me funny jay i might not make it <laughs> they um yeah, so he Owen Wilson said that they would call those little moments where he would start correcting and stuff. He called them Loki lectures. <laughs> so I I very excited about this show. High hopes for this show for sure. Um, I think the thing that was most interesting for this show is Loki's loop, right? His his loop of time had been closed at the beginning of Infinity War. You know what happens. So when he gets the Tesseract, you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And when they announced it was this show, I was very intrigued as to what it would be. I didn't quite think it would be this, like, buddy cop show. And they had to completely build out this whole new environment in the first episode. Because WandaVision... If you're vaguely familiar with what Wanda can do, you're on board, right? And Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you're on board. They're known commodities. But they had to completely craft the TVA from scratch in Mm -hmm. the first episode for it to be good at all. Yeah. And they did it. They did it. They nailed it. This is... I was talking to somebody. I said, I think Loki has the best first episode of any of the Marvel shows so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it had to. It absolutely had to. And this is a show, too, that I I really hope that it has multiple seasons. But because of all the different variants and all the different time travel, like, this is a show that has potential for having multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love... Uh, so we get the idea of the sacred timeline... 
the main timeline that has to happen. Now, the one thing that I'm a little confused about is if the sacred timeline is the sacred timeline for this universe, and if there are other sacred timelines for other universes. Because it sounds like they were trying to stop the multiverse from happening with this sacred timeline. So are the events from this show going to be directly related to what happens in Multiverse of Madness? I I mean, I think that's worth the discussion because it's, it's so meta to me to talk about does this universe have a sacred timeline? Is this the sacred timeline? It's it's such a weird concept to me as a comic book person, like trying to explain that concept of like, okay, so you're you're in how would how would you even make that metaphor to, to try to make it understandable for someone who wouldn't understand? I I don't know. I don't either. So it's like the theory of infinite universes, but does each universe think it's the only universe? Yes, basically. That would be the kind of the big question. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't. It's kind of mind-bending. Like so like, it, does each TVA think that they're the ultimate power in the universe, but they're so. just the ultimate power in that universe? And there's yeah. actually... What if there's an even larger TVA... An MVA, and Multiverse Variance Authority. Oh, it's it's too meta, Jay. I don't know that I can do it. <laughs> oh, man. Makes you wonder. Hmm. But yeah, so uh, the episode ends with um, we get a hooded figure who's killing a whole bunch of people. From and... the TVA, not people at random, I don't think. Yeah, no, so far it's just I felt been the, TVA I felt the need to give the context. It's not a time-hopping Jack the Ripper. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, it's just killing TVA. But the story that we're getting at the end is uh, uh, Mobius. Mobius? Did I say that right? I'm, I'm, I'm doubting. Yeah, no, you, Mobius. No, you, you left out the M. Uh, Mobius, M, Mobius. Oh, yes. Mobius, M, Mobius. He um, finally convinces Loki to stay with the TVA and to work with the TVA because he's like, I want to use you because there's an alternate version of you that's killing TVA agents. And so what would be the best way to stop yourself than by using you? And so Loki agrees and is like, yeah, why not? I will say, though. What option does Loki have? Because his option is, sure, I'll help, or I'll be disintegrated into not even dust. Yes. To not even just... existing. Yeah. Yep. Wow, really, a really tricky decision there. Let me think on it. I think I'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which leads us into the second episode, The Variant. Loki joins a TVA mission following an ambush by the fugitive variant of Loki in 1985, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. He wants assurance that the TVA will let him meet the timekeepers instead of disintegrating him. 
but Mobius figures out that he is stalling. Back at the TVA headquarters, Mobius convinces Renslayer to give Loki another chance. After research, Loki proposes that the variant is hiding in space-time near apocalyptic events like Asgard's Ragnarok, where the impending destruction means their actions cannot change the timeline, thus concealing them from the TVA. Loki and Mobius confirm this possibility by visiting Pompeii in 79 AD. The duo then figure out that the variant is at a hurricane in 2050 Alabama. Loki, Mobius, and TVA agents travel there. The variant ambushes them, using body possession to control TVA's Hunter B-15 and other locals. The variant rejects Loki's offer to... um, the variant rejects Loki's offer for them to work together to overthrow the TVA's timekeepers. The variant reveals itself as a female version of Loki. She she executes her scheme, teleporting the TVA reset charges she stole to various locations in space-time, thus creating many new timeline branches. She pele- she teleports into a timeline and Loki follows her. It's so compelling. I don't know if it's it it comes down to Tom Hiddleston as Loki, right? That's that's why anyone cares. Yeah. Cuz he's so good. But this I I so I watched this episode and it finished basically right before we started recording. And the only disappointment that I had was that I had to wait another week. <laughs> right. Yeah. I also thought okay, that's not the only disappointment that I had. The the apocalyptic event where the variant had been had been hiding out is 2050 alabama right Mm -hmm. so it's it's vaguely approximately 30 years in the future from where we are now and i just it was a bit of a disconnect for me because the the locale in alabama is basically like a, a walmart on steroids essentially yeah and while while they're walking around the shelves and stuff trying to trying to find the variant you see the product placement and it's all of these products from today yeah like so alienware alien the thing that the thing that jumped out at me was you mean to tell me in 30 years Pepsi and Mountain Dew have not gone over some type of redesign in their logos because they were in the back, and they were out of focus, but I was like, yeah, no, that's identical to walking down the Kroger next to my house. And it just took a disconnect. I was like, I thought they were supposed to be in the future, but I don't know. I'm weird, and I notice things like that. Well, you do have to ask yourself, like, where will there still be, like, will there, will there be that many changes in 2050? Or will it still look very similar to today with just, but just maybe better technology? I just meant in terms of the, the product itself, like Pepsi today doesn't market itself like Pepsi in the 90s. And it hurts me that the 90s were 30 years ago. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And like Dr. Pepper looks different. Coca-Cola stayed relatively the same. Well, I mean, if it ain't broke. Then don't new Coke. Aww. Ah. But that's a that's an exceptionally minor criticism. Um, but it it did take me out of the moment a little bit. 
I was very intrigued, though, by the setup that she had put female Loki, which she referred to herself. Let's just call me Randy. So, or we could not. Or we could not. I was going to say, I don't know that I've ever met a Randy that I liked, but I'm having trouble remembering a Randy that I've actually met in <laughs> real life. Like, I've so met a we... Randall... What do and we call okay. this female Loki until we actually, like, figure out a name? Do we call her, like, Foki? I mean, I would be content just calling her the variant because that separates her enough from Loki, who's also no, a variant. No, that's then it, boring. I know it's boring, but it's consistent. <laughs> huh. Fee Loki? I don't know. I feel like that could be a... Uh, and open it up to the listeners. Have <laughs> the have idea. the listeners decide how we refer to um, antagonist Loki, if you will. Yes, because I don't like calling her variant Loki because the Loki that we are rooting for is technically also a variant. Yeah. So I don't like calling her that, but yeah. Somebody uh, somebody help us out with that one. If you have an idea, you can reach us many different ways. One of the ways you can reach us is you can email us. They didn't ask us at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to reach us. You can also message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. Uh, you can follow that page and see a lot of our updates and posting our episodes when they drop. Um, so you can message us on there. You can also reach us on our Instagram. We have an Instagram at they didn't ask us, and you can also message us on there. I will say I haven't been very good with the social media here recently, mainly because I deleted my social media from my phone, uh, because I found myself on my phone too much. So I have deleted that and can only get on it when I'm on my laptop, which is not very often. So if I don't respond right away, that is why. Uh, but then the last way you can get in touch with us, and also a good way to listen to our episodes, is you can go to our website, they didn't ask us pod.com. You can listen to our episodes. You can also look at our bios to see what John and I are all about in our personal lives. And then you can also leave a comment. There's a, a comment card down at the bottom and you can fill that out and send it to us and we will be sure to get it. But we would love to hear from you, uh, listener. So if you have an idea for how we should refer to this female Loki, then uh, please reach out to us and let us know what funny names you come up with. So we end the episode with chaos. Chaos ensues and everything is falling apart and this timeline, the sacred timeline, is dividing in so many ways. There are so many red lines. And what is going to happen? Find out next time on Loki, episode three. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what I think is going to happen. Just cuz the other thing, the other thing that that female Loki has is the the ability to do those doors, right? Those time doors so she could travel anywhere. Right. Ever. That's whew. 
Where would where would you go if you had one of those, Jay? Oh gosh. Um I don't know. Yeah. Um cuz it's not just it's not just anywhere on the planet. It's anywhere on any planet at any time. Hmm. That's whoo. It's literally infinite possibilities. It's practically the TARDIS. I would wager more efficient. Oh, oh yes. 100% more efficient. Yes. Yeah. The doctor ends up in lots of places that he does, he or she does not mean to go to. So, but it is essentially the same thing where he can go to any time and relative dimension in space. So what you're saying is Loki Doctor Who crossover win. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I know a lot of people have talked about Hiddleston being the Doctor. I feel like if they were to do a Loki Doctor Who crossover in the context of this show, the Doctor that crosses over would have to be Eccleston purely for the chaos of he was a villain in Thor 2. Yes. It's like, wait, you, what? Huh? <laughs> it's like that Spider-Man meme. Everybody's pointing, pointing at, at each other. other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, I mean, also one of the doctors was in Pompeii. So they could have, that would have been the place to introduce it. Oh, the <laughs> ultimate crossover. But that would, that would have had to be like the end of an episode, right? Because you would do the... Uh, Vesuvius starts going off and then you like you look and the camera does a slow pan and they're just like staring at each other from across this cursed court not cursed but like destined to die courtyard it's just like wait I don't belong here and you don't belong here and then volcanic ash cut to black (laughs) that's how that scene would have had to go or it could have just been like he just runs like the scene really could have gone exactly the same way and then you just see this crazy dressed english man come sprinting like from one side of the camera to the other and like there's no mention of it nothing stops <laughs> it's just you see that and then they just continue that would have been great actually yeah, I, I would have been happy. I would have been like, yeah, there you go. There's the nod to the doctor being there in Pompeii. <laughs> anyway. So, um, John, so far, what do you think? So far, I mean, I, I talked about it earlier. This show's had the most work to do of any of the three Marvel shows. Um, It's doing it. I, I also talked earlier about how the Bad Batch is not compelling and it is struggling to hold my attention. Um, not the case here. Um, I feel a little bit guilty that I watch these without Meg, um, but that guilt kind of fades away when I realize the consequence of that is just watching them again with her. <laughs> You're like, darn. <laughs> and getting the, the added bonus of <clears throat> of seeing something for the second time. And being like, oh, you know, I was so focused on the narrative and the the main thing of what was going on. I missed this or I missed that. Right. So that that aspect of it is kind of exciting. Yeah, that would be cool. 
And that's, that's, that's awesome that you do feel that way because I feel the same way. Um, I, in fact, I was just thinking the other day, I probably should rewatch those episodes, not because, well, there might be stuff I missed, but then also just because they were so good. I don't mind watching it again. Yeah. So, well, I think it is time for us to move on to the main event, which is to talk about E3 and all the big stuff that was released with E3. I've got the top reveals pulled up. Do you want to go that direction or did you want to just talk about the things that you enjoyed the most? Um, I think there's a way to do both, but I feel like it would be better to talk big picture and then the things that, that we liked. Okay. And along the way, if something is brought up that you are very intrigued by, we can spend a little more time on it. Okay. Okay. I'm in. So up first, we didn't, to me, one of the bigger upsets of the E3 is that we didn't get any big reveal for Halo Infinite, but we did get the multiplayer trailer reveal. Kind of feel a little indifferent about this right now. Don't really care all that much. I So I am on the other end of the excited scale for Infinite. Um, everything I've heard, everything I'm reading other people's reactions are saying they have the most hope for this game of any Halo game since Halo 3, which I feel like is a pretty common uh, pick for the best in the series. Mm. Um, so in, in the multiplayer reveal here, they um, announced that Halo Infinite's multiplayer is going to be completely free to play. And wow. that is somewhat revolutionary uh, because Infinite from what I understand is also moving towards kind of an open world model and not the linear story progression that you have, like the, the missions from previous games when it's, this is where it starts. This is where it ends. Um, and the, the battle pass system is not inherently time dependent either. Oh, that's nice. So instead of like, so my, my friends and I were playing call of duty the other night and this is the last week of, this season so we were all frantically trying to unlock stuff and you know do we want to try to finish it do we just want to do what we can and you don't really have to worry about that from what i understand with infinite it might be you know some things might be time locked but they would be purely cosmetic and i i don't know but when they said the the battle pass system isn't time independent that definitely had my attention because in our what's wrong with gaming have every every game having a time dependent battle pass was definitely something i complained about very good so you are excited i am kind of eh. but i'm You're, willing to see more i feel like you might be waiting more to see some type of campaign trailer or um the the other big thing about halo was that a battle royale was not confirmed and everyone's just kind of wondering, will they, won't they, what are they going to do? And my stance on that was a Call of Duty Battle Royale was never confirmed. It was data mined, mm. and then it was released. Yeah. So 
just because it hasn't been announced doesn't mean it's happening or doesn't mean it's not happening but obviously it hasn't been announced it might not be happening so it's tempered expectations either way in terms of a halo br all right next up we have elden ring Elden Ring is definitely a Dark Souls-inspired game, uh, single player, but uh, it is being the storyline is being contributed by George R. R. Martin, which we know from Game of Thrones. That is correct. I was trying to think like he's written something else, but I don't know his catalog well enough to be like a. Like a hipster troll about it, and I was like, "Well, actually, he's also written." Like, I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> yes, well, you know, he's, you know, clearly he's written other things, but like, what's the one thing everyone cares about? Game of Thrones. It's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know about this one so much. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm up for, you know, seeing more about it. The trailer looked cool. Um. It was kind of a, it kind of reminded me of, there was a game that came out a long time ago called, it was based on um, Dante's Inferno. Okay. And uh, I think it was called Dante's Inferno, actually. Mm-hmm. But it, it gives me that vibe, because it, it had very much like a, a hell, a hell type of landscape, where there's just all these crazy monsters and stuff like that. So I'm I'm interested to see more about this, especially gameplay when it comes out. Next up, we have Battlefield 2042. This is something that when I watched this trailer, I thought this looks pretty cool, and I might have to play this one. Was it was it the plane bit, Jay? Is that what got you? Yes. Was that the hypest part of a trailer? Like, that's the hypest part of any video game trailer I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It so was if, intense. If you haven't watched it yet, you should. Um, and I imagine we could link that through our through our socials beforehand just so you could go back and find it on our page. Oh, definitely. Um, but I remember the first time I watched the Battlefield 2042 trailer and that happened. I was just like, I was so I was watching it alone, right? I'm watching it alone in my living room and I'm like, slapping the couch next to me imagining i had a friend and i'm just like did you see that and my dogs are looking at me they're like no i didn't (laughs) what's happening leave me alone oh man if if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about and if you haven't uh go watch it so you know what i'm talking about yeah it's pretty awesome i will say my my biggest the thing holding me back from Battlefield 2042 more than anything else is the same thing that somewhat famously, infamously, uh, whichever, held me back from getting Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And that's the fact that there's no campaign. All of the storytelling will be done through character interactions, whether it's cinematics um, that are kind of released as the game progresses or character interactions in the game. Um, I know the previous Battlefield game, Battlefield 1, also didn't have the stereotypical linear campaign. Um, instead, they had smaller, somewhat linear campaigns. Mm-hmm. And they kind of did their, their storytelling in that sense. Um, but I love campaigns. 
you know, I have a, I have a soft spot for them in my little gamer heart. And the fact that there's not one like this is the first Battlefield game in a couple of years. I'm going to play it to some degree. It's just it's not going to be as much as something like, I mean, we talked about Halo. I'll play Infinite, I'm sure. Right. Um, some of the other campaign games that that got teased or released at E3, they're definitely going to be higher up that priority list for me. What uh, what are we looking into next? Are we looking at Starfield? Starfield. This is going to be a Xbox exclusive, and um, I I'm actually very excited about this game. It's going to arrive in November 11th of next year, and um, it basically gives me the same feel that I had with the original release of, and I'm drawing a blank on what it was called. Was it Skyrim or Oblivion? No. It's the one where you explore space. Oh, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. It remind it kind of makes me feel like this is going to be like No Man's Sky, but maybe it's going to have more of a substance mission to it instead <laughs> of just hey, just wander around. <laughs> yeah. Um so it looks really really awesome to me and I'm very excited. Um and the good news is, is that it's not coming out for a while, so I'm going to have time to finish up everything else that I'm playing before I <laughs> get to that one. That's how they get you. You never have time. <laughs> um, so this is, this. Uh, I'm going to start with the, the nerd term of the, the nerd word of the day. Um, I've started throwing this around a lot, and a lot of people don't understand what it is, so I feel the need to explain it. I might have explained it before, but it bears repeating. Um, IP, if I refer to something as IP, it is intellectual property. So in the context of Starfield is Bethesda's first new IP in, I think, decades. In like 20-something yeah. years. Uh, Bethesda is is incredibly famous for the Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Um, two incredible RPG series that have been going for years. And the fact that they're starting a new one, people have incredibly high expectations for it, uh, both in terms of this game specifically and its long-term ability. So and the you know that it. it's got some substance to it because in the trailer it even says 25 years in the making. Mm-hmm. So this is an idea that they've been building on for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I feel like those are three of the of the easiest, not easiest, but like the, the if you're going to decide to make a game in a world, right, you're going to have medieval, you're going to have post-apocalypse, and you're going to have space. Yep. And they've done two of the, the first two of those, they've done them very well. Mm-hmm. And they're finally at a point now when they say, you know what? Let's try space. It's a new frontier. I hear it might be the final frontier. <laughs> I'm I'm typically not one to play RPGs. Um, specifically, actually, the Elder Scrolls. I had a bad experience with Morrowind when I was in middle school. Uh. 
I kept accidentally stealing things and going to prison because I didn't understand <laughs> game mechanics. And I was just like, this game's dumb. I hate this game. <laughs> so the Starfield is definitely going to be a game. It's going to be a, I'm going to watch people play it on Twitch before I make the decision whether or not I will dive into it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I do with most games, I let other people play it for a while and then get an honest review of does this game hold up or is it actually pretty bad? Yeah. So yes, I agree. But, um, Hey, when it comes to exploring space, all I have to say is make it so. I thought you were going to say beam me up, but it's the other, the other phrase. Yeah. All right, up next, and this is honestly the thing that I was most excited about, which you will know if you listen to the last episode. My son and I talked about this for a good portion of the episode. The Legend of Zelda still don't have a title, but Breath of the Wild 2. Is that not the actual title? It's not. Really? It is a, It is officially not the title. And in fact, if you click on the YouTube video, it strictly just says sequel to the legend of zelda breath of the wild okay so it is going to have a name my guess is is they haven't released the name because i'm thinking the name reveals a lot about the game itself (laughs) no jay they haven't released it because it's the legend of zelda deep sigh of the wild Gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. <laughs> oh. And man. we did. We got a trailer and every I mean, it's I it's been the I don't know if it's still trending, but it was number one on trending for YouTube for a while. Let's um, see. I'm scrolling through my Twitter. Somehow Xbox 360 is trending again. That's very confusing. That's weird. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned. Uh, oh, that's my uh, for you page. That one's definitely my fault. Okay, it's still number two. That doesn't surprise me at all. On trending and has 3.8 million views. But yeah. So, people are excited. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Um... Not a whole lot. I mean, I mean, honestly, there really wasn't much more revealed about this game, except that Link obviously has something very wrong with his arm, because it looks like it's petrified. Uh, it almost looks like the Sheikah Slate, which you play in the first one, has merged with his arm, because you also see him using that arm, using the powers that the, that the Sheikah Slate gave him. Um, his hair is no longer in a ponytail, so it's just kind of blowing, flowy in the wind. Um, and then there's also some giant pieces of land floating in the sky. So definitely going to be exploring the sky. Uh, so that's pretty exciting too. But yeah, new weapons, new shields, new armor. I'm excited. New game-breaking exploits that I'm sure speedrunners will find. Yes. And it's just, you know, the first one, 
really changed the... I mean, it was a beautiful game. It really kind of changed the Zelda games forever, so I'm assuming that this one will kind of do the same thing. Next up, we have Avatar Frontiers of Pandora being made by Ubisoft. And I have to say, I don't like the Pandora series at all. But I can see Avatar as a video game. I think that it has a lot of potential for a video game. I think it can have potential, but it would also have to have more of an audience. Because you think of all the other established franchises that are out there. I mean, Avatar is a movie that released in 2009. Um, It hasn't really done anything in 12 years other than there's a sequel eventually. Maybe. We don't know. Like, I I am not excited for anything Avatar ever, unless it's The Last Airbender, and even that I haven't watched, so... Yeah. Avatar, to me, is one of those things that is a little unfortunate, because I think that Disney has invested a lot into Avatar. In fact, we know for a fact that they've already filmed, like, a few of the sequels... And I feel like they're putting a little too much faith in it Mm -hmm. because it did make a ton of money, but I think it only made the money it did was because everybody was talking about how the 3d effect was revolutionary incredible than anything else that they had seen before. And so everybody wanted to see that. Yeah. They caught up. That's the the reason why it made money, not because it was good. Um, so I feel like that's going to be something that Disney is going to... They're going to be hurting, I think. Yeah. I could be could be wrong. Um, Next up, we have Metroid Dread, which is the first Metroid game that we've had in a while. Um, this was one that I had been looking forward to, but it was a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more around like the GameCube versions that they created where it was more of a 3D world and Mm -hmm. you played more as a first-person shooter. Uh, And this is not. It's more of the side-scrolling that we're used to with the Metroid games. So that was a little different. Yeah, I I know a lot of Metroid people have been clamoring for Metroid Prime 2, um, like you're alluding to, and going back to more of a puzzler is is interesting um but it's also it's definitely not as saturated of a field i don't think at least from the triple a studios mm-hmm. so i'm i'm excited um obviously it's going to be cost dependent uh for me because it's just like oh yeah you know if i want to just dabble then i don't know that i want to dabble on a on a 40 50 60 dollar game but if it gets on like a decent sale or if it's if it's affordable and again if if i see other people play it and they're like no you need to play dread then i I might but i i don't know i would be more willing to give it a shot if it had been the first person that you were alluding to that most people i feel like wanted but i mean anything's possible i guess except me playing an avatar game Mm mm-hmm next up we have square enix released their Guardians of the Galaxy. John's got a big grin on his face, so I'm assuming he's a pretty pumped about this. 
John has a has a cautiously excited grin on his face because I like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? They're a fun little team. Um, but Square also is the one who did that Avengers game last year that released and then immediately fell off. Yeah. Like, they've had two free DLCs, and I've yep. heard nothing about either of them. Yeah. I want to play the either. DLCs. Because they have a Hawkeye DLC and they have a Black Panther DLC. Mm-hmm. And those both sound incredible. They do. But not enough for me to play this game. Yeah. So I'm worried, but I also know the potential, and the potential is there. And that's what I'm choosing to focus on because I'm trying not to be so direly pessimistic as often. <laughs> the potential is there for this to be great. That's what I'm choosing to focus on. I think that's fair. I think that I'm assuming that the gameplay is going to be very similar to that of Avengers. And that makes me not nearly as excited as I would be if it was anything else. Yeah. So. I don't know. Theoretically, now, though, the, the encouraging thing is that engine, if they're similar, right? That engine's already there. They've had a year to improve it. Plus, they already have all of the files for those Avengers characters. So if you wanted to see maybe what a Guardians team would be like with Captain America or with Miss Marvel, maybe you have that opportunity. Maybe maybe they're released as playable characters for certain pre-orders or whatever. I wouldn't love it, but I wouldn't hate it either. So this is definitely one that's a wait and see. Let the let the other people be the guinea pigs. Yes, and absolutely. Then you you may or may not get it later. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution Two. Uh, this is a sequel to the very popular Jurassic World Evolution, um, which I, I never played. It looked like a lot of fun, uh, but it's coming at some point this year, and um, I think it has a lot of potential. It's one of those um, games. It's kind of like the Sim City or like, uh, like theme Roller park Coaster Tycoon. tycoon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you get to create this theme park based around the dinosaurs and you get to mutate them to the, you know, to the point of possibly breaking out. And, um, <laughs> you know, life uh, finds, finds a way. A way. Yeah. Which I actually, that is not the first time I've quoted that today. We were watching... I'm, I'm intimidated, uh, but intrigued. Kong vs. Godzilla. Ah, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> um, just real quick, just kind of name these off real quick. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is uh, getting their improved version for the Xbox Series X and S. Um... Life is Strange Remastered Edition. Nintendo Switch had a Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. We got um, some some more action scene from Far Cry 6. We got uh, Evil Dead the Game trailer. Rainbow Six Extraction, which is a... Uh, this is a DLC, is it not? It's a separate game... That was inspired by an LTM. Okay. So back like the tail end of when I played Siege, 
they had a limited time mode, I think called, it might have actually been called Extraction, um, but it was kind of a PvE mode, and they were like, hey, what if we made a game on that? And everyone was like, or what if you didn't? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is kind of the the Rainbow Six game nobody asked for. Uh. Um, I'm intrigued by it. But it's it's definitely a, I'm gonna watch people play it if that I don't even it's not on my radar to play at all. As the trailer played, I was like, okay, this is Rainbow Six, but then I was like, Rainbow Six Venom. Oh, that'd be a fun crossover, actually. Yeah. Maybe Call of Duty Warzone Season Four. I mean, now something that caught my attention: Redfall. It is a co-op game where you'll fill the boots of vampire slayers and back for blood. So I'm a little upset you skipped Dark Alliance. Oh, did I? Because I think Dark we're Alliance. reading through the same list. Are you on Are Tom's guide? Yes, I am. Yeah, I was like, we're reading through the same list, I think. Um, Dark Alliance is actually the first game I've been very excited for in a long time. Because it's based, not based on, but it's using the same characters from my favorite book series growing up. The Forgotten Realms R.A. Salvatore books. Mm. It's those characters. Yeah, you've brought that up before. I'm so excited. I've been burned by pre-ordering the last, like, three games I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered this game. Oh. I'm very excited. So, a quick... A quick mention for I'm going to be playing this. I don't care. Um, just because I love these characters so much. And then on to Back for Blood. Everyone that I've talked to about this game is considering it a must play. Yes, I know I am. Because it's it's the Left 4 Dead 3 we never got, but improved on so much like it has skill trees and it has specializations oh man this it's gonna be so fun Mm -hmm. i have been i've been missing a co-op shooter like this since left 4 dead 2 we also have um and i believe this is also bethesda the outer worlds i can't remember if it is or isn't but we have the Outer Worlds 2 coming out. It's got this... I think the reason why I think it's Bethesda is because it has the same look as Fallout. Um, Its dev is Obsidian. Okay. Who also did... Come on, come on. Load faster. Alpha Protocol? Mm. For like the 360 PS3? They did sequels to Bioware games. Okay. Hmm. Oh, they did uh, KOTOR 2, maybe. I don't know. But it, it's not it's not Bethesda. It might, it, it, I could see the similarities, but it, it itself is not. I, and... I, I don't know if I want to be excited about Age of Empires 4, because I'm just getting back into Age of Empires 2. <laughs> You're a little behind. I love this game so much, man. It hasn't changed in 20 years there's so much appeal for a game that hasn't changed and they're updating it and it's going to be incredible. And I'm intimidated. 
But other than that, that was pretty much all the big news. Uh, the last thing that we saw was Xbox is going to make a mini fridge that looks like the Xbox Series X. This is based on they actually made a, ref- a full-size refrigerator that looked like a giant Xbox Series X. And they only made one of them. But people were so excited about it that they're making a mini mini fridge. So... Based based on the reveal, it looks too mini, though. It does look very small. Like, I have a mini fridge that I think actually, now that I'm sitting back thinking about it, I think it was Meg's... I don't know that she was ever in a dorm, but it was like the college era mini fridge. Mm. And it still works. That's impressive. And, oh, it, it works. It's cold. Um but it's it's sizable, right? Like it comes up to the the top of my desk. And this looks like it's supposed to be like the size of an Xbox. It does. <laughs> like regular fact, size soda cans barely fit. Like might you get confused when you're trying to turn on your Xbox and you hit the refrigerator button and, instead. And you're just turning your refrigerator on and off and you're like, "Wait, why isn't this working?" And then you're like, "Oh, why are my drinks warm?" And I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> Because they're too similar. Uh, But yeah. But that's, I mean, for me, that's pretty much it. Um, There wasn't really anything else that caught my attention. Uh, There is um, still a lot to to go over. I I recommend checking it out. Most of these trailers can be seen on YouTube. Um, You can check, uh, go to the actual... Uh, pages of the the video game companies themselves they've got it all posted actually there was one there was one last thing that i just remembered um there's this xbox exclusive called sea of thieves oh yes and from what i from what i heard i have a friend who has watched people play sea of thieves but he doesn't have a pc or an xbox so he cannot play it um he has said that it, it's gone free to play, which kind of surprises me. Um, but they have Pirates of the Caribbean DLC. Jack Sparrow is coming to Sea of Thieves. People are very excited because people love Jack Sparrow and forgot about Sea of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sea of Thieves. That's yeah, a thing. That, that pirate game. So this is trying to bring people back to it. I think so, yeah. Basically. It it if nothing else it's getting publicity, so It's kind of like um I saw the other day on Hulu uh because we still have we still have Hulu and uh you know they occasionally show commercials uh in between your your episodes of of things and um one of the things that they had was they had a commercial for Fortnite. And I was like, this is the first time I have ever seen a commercial for Fortnite. And it made me think, John, is Fortnite struggling for business? Are people actually not playing Fortnite as much anymore? I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, something that some has made the rounds in kind of the, the Twitch community where I am is the sense that everyone's numbers are going down right now because things are opening back up. People are going outside. Um, 
So it could be kind of a reaction to that of saying, you know, player numbers are going down across the board. What can we do to try to halt that for us? Mm. And I mean, I've seen people going back to play Fortnite for the memes, but I personally don't know anybody that like, no, Fortnite is my main game. I don't know anybody. Makes me wonder. But we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what it is. Oh, my microphone fell over. We want to know what it is that you were excited about. What was it that you were looking forward to? Was there stuff that you were hoping for that they didn't release or stuff that you were hoping for that they decided not to talk about? Uh, We would love to hear from you and get your thoughts and ideas. Um, So you can reach us um, all the ways that I listed earlier. And then if you continue listening, uh, there'll be some stuff at the end. Uh, But uh, yeah, we'd like to hear from you. So reach out, let us know. Uh, And then also, if there's anything going forward that you want us to review, luckily there are movies that are coming out. uh, So we're going to be able to review some stuff, especially in July. We've got Black Widow, for example. Um, Next episode, we are going to be reviewing Raya and the Last Dragon which is uh, now on Disney+. Plus. It was just a premium exclusive thing, but is now uh, on, available for everybody to stream. So we are going to be reviewing that next time. And um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, summer's here. Summer. The cicadas are not yet here. Don't, so. you, don't you Beetlejuice them into existence. Cicadas, cicadas, cicadas! Headgummit. I can hear him already. No, that's just Champ downstairs. Never mind. Uh, that's just a lawnmower going next door. But, yes. So we want to hear from you. Uh, guys, thank you for listening to us. Uh, sorry we haven't been as active on social media, but um, it's summer. We got stuff going on, so you'll have to be patient with us for now as we go on various vacations and spend time with our families we have lives <laughs> i i hit jay with the the home alone shocked look on our on our video chat for context we do we have lives we have wives they also have i wives. have kids john has furry I babies have dogs yeah it, it's different a little bit still smells bad I'm really worried. One of the dogs smells like vaguely like laundry detergent. And I'm like, oh. we haven't washed you recently. <laughs> What's your deal? <laughs> what is going on? He he just smells like laundry. And it, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good because it means he doesn't smell bad. But it's like, what do you do? He's getting into the dryer sheets in his free time. He must be. He's rolling around in it. Maybe... Maybe somebody made fun of his smell, another dog, and he was like, Shut up, guys. I'm gonna I'll go show ro- you. I'm gonna go roll in the downy. <laughs> well guys, thank you for listening to us. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And we will see you again in two weeks. But until then nerd out. <laughs>